0: So there will be some serious plot spoilers for this film. Like, all, let me just go ahead and say that we're going to be spoiling all of our films. <laughs>
1: the whole, the whole thing. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so, if don't, you
1: don't listen to this, if you haven't seen it, the movie, yeah,
0: if you haven't seen the movie that we're going to be discussing, well, you won't
1: um, understand what we're talking about anyway.
0: Yeah. You know, come on, 1992. Come on.
2: Yeah. Twenty years ago. Wait, is that the man? More.
1: <laughs>
0: 92. Little house on the scary you <coughs> recording
2: Okay. Hello.
0: episode three of little house on the scary election night special <laughs> <laughs> so listeners we are actually recording this on november 3rd it is election night it's a very big night and we're doing this to kind of distract ourselves from it's the a
1: great distraction
0: possible end of the world as we know it
1: <laughs> oh well we might as well talk about horror and things that scare yeah. us
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. Let's introduce ourselves again. This is the Little House on the Scary Podcast. My name is Nigel, a.k.a. the Peruvian Nightmare.
2: I am Cheyannigans, a.k.a. Cryan, a.k.a mrs peruvian nightmare
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> and i am scary anna
0: scary anna I'm just bringing the one in.
1: name mm-hmm. kind of like Cher and madonna she she'll has.
0: be coming like around
1: that. the corner when she comes scary don't mess anna. it up this time <laughs> <laughs> you promised you would auto-tune the last one nigel actually, yeah, I don't and have, you did not i don't have auto-tune skills <laughs> actually clearly. i think i promised I that i would skills. do
0: it we are coming with another episode here, and it's a good film that Scary Anna picked, That's right? That's right. Yeah. So, well, first, before we jump into that, for all of October, I did 31 Days of Horror. And so this I think is probably the fifth year I've done it, but probably only the second year that I've been successful at watching thirty one movies. Intense. It's I mean, really intense. Yeah. Yeah. It's actually right about day 20, I really start to, it starts to get fucking hard. I think I
1: watched <laughs> four movies with you and I was exhausted.
0: Yeah, it starts to four. get hard. Um, well,
2: then you just phone a friend and Cheyenne to the rescue or yeah. I think maybe you just um, accept whatever I suggest.
0: Well, you had the idea of making it a, a theme by the day. So like, um, Manic Monday and Satanic Saturday and what were they thinking Wednesday? Thirsty Thursday. Thirsty Thursday. That's where it
1: all starts because yeah. October 1st was a thirsty that's Thursday right. yeah that's but right Florida Friday was a bust
0: so that yeah
2: <laughs> <laughs> but maybe it all worked out it's to prove that yeah that Florida Friday
0: yeah was,
2: was a bust it's well, now just we know to prove that
0: Florida is a bust <laughs> Florida
2: <laughs> is a bust
0: <laughs> yeah but I think the days helped it but it it also made it much more challenging um so I don't know how we'll do it next year. I'll think of something.
1: I really think, Nigel, that you should let me pick all of your movies
0: for <laughs> October. That would be I nightmarish. Think it would really,
1: I think it would expand your horizon. That's a life. lot.
0: of. That's a lot of movies. It is a lot. You could pick like a week.
1: Yeah, oh, that's a, week. a good idea. Maybe You should have pick hosts. four different people. That's and, a good oh, idea. And each one of them picks a week. That's a good oh, idea. Scary Anna coming out with the good ideas. ideas. Yeah. Yeah. It was technically Nigel's idea. I don't know. And you have a
2: year of training with this podcast. Mm -hmm. I think you'll you'll come up with some good ones. Oh,
1: yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's a good idea, actually. Maybe we'll make that happen. Yeah. All right, for tonight's movie, we picked Candyman. 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 Wait! We said no. Candyman. Stop, stop! Candyman. <laughs> Candyman.
1: Candyman. Candyman. Guys, I Candyman. feel like you're not taking this movie seriously.
0: <laughs> <No>. From 1992. <laughs> All
1: right, listeners. Just so you know, there are no mirrors in this room. Yeah. That's very there important is, to know. There is, but it's
0: broken right there.
1: No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just lying. It's an old mirror.
0: <laughs> it's an old yeah, old it's mirrors fine. are perfectly safe. Yeah. There's nothing <laughs> scary about old mirrors. <laughs> no. It's only the new IKEA mirrors that are scary because they'll fall on your child.
2: <laughs> oh
0: God. Synopsis of this film, skeptical graduate student Helen Lyle, played by Virginia Madsen, befriends Anne-Marie McCoy, Vanessa Williams, while (laughs) while researching superstitions in a housing project on Chicago's near north side, known as Cabrini Green. From Anne-Marie, Helen learns about... The Candyman, played by Tony Todd, a hook slash knife wielding figure of urban legend that some of her neighbors believe to be responsible for a recent murder. After a mysterious man matching the Candyman's description begins stalking her, Helen comes to fear that the legend may be all too real. Have you ever heard of Candyman? If you look in the mirror... You say his name five times. In cities everywhere... Candyman. They whisper his name. Right. Candyman. It's just a story. Candyman. Candyman. Just a ghost story. Candyman. An entire community starts attributing the daily horrors of their lives to a mythical figure. The legend first appeared in 1819. He was attacked, mutilated, and burned to death. Poor Candyman.
1: <gasps> Helen, a woman died in there. Leave it.
0: Everyone knows he isn't real. That's modern oral folklore. Everyone, except Helen Lyle. We're It ain't safe around here. I don't scare it too easy. I know no Jane? He never gonna catch him. Who? Candyman. Who is that? I'm, I came for you. Do I know you? Now, she is about to discover.
2: Ellie? Get out! Get
1: out! What's behind the mystery? You're sick. What's behind the legend? Listen, he's under the bed! terrifying of all come with me what's behind the mirror
0: he's here
1: candy man you don't have to believe
0: just beware Was released October sixteenth, nineteen ninety two, in the U.S. It is directed by Bernard Rose, but it is based on the story, a short story by Clive Barker, um, horror movie sensation Clive Barker.
2: Have any of us read the story? Is it called the the Forbidden? Yeah. Forbidden. It didn't look very short. I I googled it, and uh, whatever on my screen that popped up did not appear short, although. Yeah. you know my time be- between a toddler and a job and <laughs>
1: nothing short Yeah, <laughs> but i am
2: interested in that story although the Candyman version interprets the the sort of class very differently tensions as yeah.
0: racial as tensions racial, right
1: right because the yeah. Cl- original clive barker story takes place in england um and it's more about class differences yeah yeah I can tell you why I picked the movie. Why
0: did you pick the movie, Scary Anna?
1: So I picked the movie. This movie came out. I was 18 when this movie came out. I didn't see it when it came out. I'm pretty sure I was well into college when I finally saw it. Um, And it just, it reminded me of an urban legend called Bloody Mary that scared the crap out of me when I was a kid, right? So you stand in front of the mirror and you say Bloody Mary five times and then she appears and kills you and... Um, And this was a very similar story. That part of the story is not... Bloody Mary, Bloody
0: Mary, Bloody Mary, Bloody Mary, Bloody Mary. Bloody
1: Mary, Bloody Mary.
0: (laughs) It's
1: not... There's no mirrors in here, so we're all safe. (laughs) Listeners, please don't be worried. (laughs) That's good (laughs) shit. You guys are not taking this seriously. I mean,
2: the last time I did say Bloody Mary in front of a mirror, I was surrounded by, like, other 11-year-old girls.
1: (gasps) I, I don't know. I had a babysitter. We would play that game, and it just scared me it your babysitter very, did that yes, with you yeah. oh my god what <laughs> is kind of New Jersey in the 70s like yeah. <laughs> I picked the movie part, partly because I remember watching it and it having a strong I was scared mm-hmm. of it It scared the crap out of me mm-hmm. um, and it's it's this amalgam of the two those two urban legends Bloody Mary and also the hook hand guy right like yeah. everybody's heard the story about you know a couple making out in a car and hearing a scratching noise and then finding a hook on, you know, the doorknob of the car, and there's some crazy, deranged killer who has a hook for a hand that's wow. out loose, and that's ha- that, you know. So, it's those two urban legends combined that were very much a part of my childhood, and so they came together in this movie. And so, that was the initial reason, but then there, the deeper reasons were that this movie has a lot of interesting things to say about race, yeah. Which, at, when I watched it in my early 20s, I did not. I didn't have a concept of that. I didn't really appreciate that. It wasn't at the forefront of my mind when I was watching it. And now that we've rewatched it, I've rewatched it as an adult. It's definitely something that I've come to appreciate a lot more and reexamining my initial reactions to this movie and especially to Candyman himself, because I found him to be a very romantic figure. Mm. Yeah. Like very Phantom of the Opera esque, mm-hmm. Edgar Allan Poe esque, like mm-hmm. dark but also misunderstood and romantic, and um, and so and and you know tying that together with these concept of race, which I hadn't appreciated at the time, I think adds a lot more layers to this movie than I. Than I anticipated. And now Jordan Peel is doing a remake of it. It's yeah. going to be out next year. And it's
0: a sequel, yeah.
1: Sequel. I didn't realize it was a sequel. I thought it was a remake, a full-on remake.
0: But well, it's I a, mean, I'm sure in some way it, it he's remaking it and but it is technically supposed to be a continuation it was quite of the
1: controversial story. at 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 the time it came out right it was the yeah. first african american slasher villain right mm-hmm. and it really played up these fears of you know african american men right mm-hmm. and you know these areas of poverty right the housing areas cabrini green and things like that and so it really played on these racial Urban fears blight. Right, these racial fears in the United States at that at that time, and of course that kind of stuff just went right over my head because Candyman was tall and handsome, and he spouted poetry, and I was like, oh, <laughs> yeah,
2: he is a romantic figure. <laughs> he is a
1: romantic figure, absolutely. And he knows that he is.
2: He tries to woo Virginia Madsen. Yeah,
1: he says, "Be my victim," and you she <laughs> just is
2: like, she's armored up with her white lady privilege, just storming. Well, I think she
1: succumbs. She definitely succumbs. I mean, t- you know in the end I mean, you know she, she, she able she's able to like fight him off but in the beginning she succumbs to I think that. she
0: realizes that she is a lost cause like she's she's doomed because she did it so yeah. she she succumbs because of that it's not because like, she said it it's not yeah because she said it but it's not like a vampire where he like draws her draws her in with his like powers of like sexiness, you know.
1: I mean, I don't know, Nigel, you're looking at it from a male perspective (laughs) and I'm looking at from a female. He's pretty damn sexy. There's something
0: like Tony Todd.
2: (laughs) When she's in his presence, like close up you can see that she goes into this trance like yeah. almost as if you know he was a vampire or something
1: and it's it, not so much his presence it's his voice I think when he, he does speaks have a her. captivating voice. yeah he has a really mesmerizing voice
2: be my victim I can't yeah, do it
1: no yeah no you're not captivated, but not really. Be <laughs>
2: my victim, no.
1: but you I know, can't. I love I love that line because it implies that he's looking for consent. Like, isn't that right. outrageous? Like, yeah. what? What? I mean, how? You know, it implies that he's looking for her to come to him willingly. Like, he's looking for. A relationship, a partnership—you did not see that in similar movies of well, the time, she's a Very strong that were about slasher, strong female villain.
2: character. So he's he's also like validating her her power. He's validating her yeah. as a. Um, but
1: also, I feel like he was just kind of looking for love, right? Like he was lonely in his afterlife, and he wanted
0: a partner. <laughs> That's like a denial <laughs> of the backstory. Right?
1: I mean, yeah.
0: He also. She's also not that strong of a female character, though, really. I mean, she's coming from this, this marriage where her husband's a philandering piece of shit, yeah. and she's continuing on with her education. But she's also super ignorant and completely unaware of the circumstances that are happening in Cabrini-Green. And beyond her, like, she gets that the interstate divides what used to be one united housing was initially designed as one united housing project. And then the interstate came through and actually the building that she lives in was um this is true. This really happened with a real Cabine, Cabrini Green in Chicago. They thought that that building was too nice and so they didn't the, and the people it was too nice for the people that were going to be moving into it. So they actually left it only for middle class and above people. Her the apartment that she's theoretically I forget the name of it that she's it theoretically the supposed to be.
1: Yeah, as same floor plan. Yes, same Green apartments.
0: T- same thing and then they put an interstate through it which effectively, you know, Created this idea of inner city. She was wrapped up in her white privilege, like the way she stormed into, yeah, like arrogance. even even the black yes. woman that was with her, the African American woman, her friend that was with her, was like, no, we can't be going in here. Like, why are we going into these places? Yeah, this she was is arrogant. super dangerous. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's like, no, right. w- you know, if we. We're- if if we uh, you know just tell them that we're grad students and like like as if like that shit's gonna <laughs> It'll matter. It'll
1: be fine. It'll be yeah. fine.
0: So yeah. So I don't know if that I would equate that with like. Strong. I think that's more you know, like.
2: I think she believes that she's strong. Yeah. But you're right. She she doesn't like. I forgot about that whole situation of her home life, and then even her male superiors
1: um, at that dinner that they yeah, went we're to. Super patronizing. The, yeah. yeah. Well, and I think that triggered a certain competitiveness in her and a drive mm-hmm. in her, and that that's what drove Definitely. her to go to Cabrini Green and be so reckless. Mm-hmm. And, and she didn't believe. You know, she was studying what were called urban legends Mm. so by default she didn't believe in them Mm -hmm. and so i think that's what led her to she was just doing a study she was just doing research and she didn't believe that she was dealing with anything real and
2: yeah her hypothesis is that these are all made up right
0: yeah exactly but she actually went to go look at a real murder that happened Right, crying don't you know something about that
2: so this is interesting.
1: Oh, yeah, the um, the real murder of the guy who Anne came Marie in. Through, McCoy. Yeah, but the, the guy the who neighbor. came in through someone's
2: Yeah, it um, really happened. Her name was Ruthie Mae McCoy. And he came through so this happened in nineteen eighty seven in Chicago.
1: And he came through the medicine cabinet. And he came through he? the medicine
2: cabinet, and so the nine one one call came through from this the apartments that Cabrini Green were based on. And um Anyway, they told the 911 operator, you know, they're they're trying to get in. They're trying to break in through the bathroom, and there was some confusion. The police went out there, but they knocked on the door. Nobody came to the door. They didn't find the body until two days later um, because of the smell, but there were... <sighs> Right. Um, there were accounts of murders happening in that complex. Because you um, could get
1: from apartment regularly. to apartment just by popping out the yes, And cabinet. that's what they
2: discovered is that it actually happened. It's super interesting that they named the neighbor in the film
1: after McCoy. McCoy. I missed the venom on purpose. I mean yeah. it, it had
2: to be. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. yeah, that it's someone broke in and shot her but it wasn't, and that's how candy, she man. It wasn't candy man there was you um, know that right there was a serial murderer um who was called the candy man but it
1: he didn't oh murder he the lured same way. children with candy that or was a, he, yeah something like his that. his family
2: had a factory that made candy something well, like that but I it's not it is same.
1: important to point out that this was entirely made up by yeah. the director right bernard rose completely created this urban legend. This Mm -hmm. legend is not based on any real legend other Mm -hmm. than the amalgam of the two legends that we talked about bloody mary and the hook hand and so it is completely made up but it seems feels so plausible right and how he brings in these like real life elements like that murder that happened um someone crawling through the medicine cabinet and in the movie you see virginia madsen crawl through the medicine cabinet Mm -hmm. to get to the other apartment Mm -hmm. it's a pretty intense scene like uh, yeah, yeah who does that. that? I don't. <laughs> but you know, Just grad but students. we saw her motivation for it, right? Because she was being mocked by her male colleagues, her own husband was mocking yeah. her, right? And so she was, you know, so that she had a motivation to prove herself. Um and that motivation kind of blinded her to the risks that she was mm-hmm. taking. And I have sympathy for that. I mean, I, you know, it wasn't A bad she didn't have bad intentions, right? She was trying to prove herself and so she was focused on what she was doing rather than being aware of her surroundings.
2: So at what point did she look in the mirror and say his name five times? It was a a joke
1: with her friend. They
0: were just in her apartment. apartment.
1: Right. After she showed her friend how their apartments were exactly the same. So it was after the first visit to No, I apartment. think it was before the first visit. It's it's why she was telling her friend that they needed to go visit Cabrini Green.
0: Yeah, it was before they visit. Oh,
1: okay. Yeah. So she said, look, our apartments are the same. Look how if you pop out this medicine cabinet, you can see into the next apartment. And the next apartment in her apartment was empty, thankfully. So she didn't disturb anyone, but she yeah. probably wouldn't have cared if she did <laughs> maybe
0: not <laughs> well i think one of the underlying themes of this entire film is like racism right and so i think she participates in that by looking at this urban legend regardless of how untrue she thinks it is she she's looking at the people that live in this public housing project as test subjects right and subjects to be examined without Mm -hmm. any without any regard to their like overall living situation and what put them in that situation so there's that there's also the history of the fear of black men um, preying on white women you know so there's that backstory to it and the fact that Candyman in the film ha- only kills black people
1: yeah 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 <laughs> that is not something i really one noticed and a half
0: kids you know he almost kills the little baby at the end spoiler um <sighs> but you know like he doesn't want to kill What's her face? The white woman. He, no, wants, he to, wants
1: to keep her for
0: her to join him, you know.
2: Yeah, that that is really messed up. I'm not sure how how to take all of that?
0: It's very upfront that part of it, right? That that's a very upfront explanation to the film. So I do not think the film is that simple. I think no. that, I think it goes much deeper, and especially when it comes to like the environment that they're in, right? Cabrini Green, which was a, like I said, a real housing development in Chicago, and they filmed it while it was still open. They did the filming while it was open, and if you remember, there was so much garbage everywhere. And they actually brought in that garbage. They brought in. Well,
1: there wasn't enough natural garbage. There wasn't enough natural
0: garbage. (laughs) They shitified the already very shitty housing project to kind of even make it even more terrible, you know. But the whole movie is in a very white centric perspective, Mm -hmm, right? And so it's how white people are viewing the situation, which, you know, it's a horror movie from 1992, and you can't expect like a deep concept you know and maybe the new uh sequel will kind of address those address some of those issues about that
1: what one one issue is you know the fact that he's he kills only black people in this movie one way to think about that is in terms of the the fact that it's an urban legend that um occurs in in an a black person's environment right it's a yeah. reflection of their the fears that they live with on a day-to-day basis something that Virginia Madsen's character does not address at all the things that they have to fear on a daily basis like the gang violence and yeah. the poverty and things like that and Candyman is um, a reflection of that I guess he's like a personification of that and so in that sense it makes sense that his victims are African Americans mm-hmm. because he's mm-hmm. he was created in this African American community of poverty and despair.
0: Yeah, that's true. And so that's a good and point. so
1: in that in that sense that that makes I think that makes a lot of hmm. sense that his victims are African-Americans rather than rather than white people. And then the fact that Virginia Madsen was white and he wanted yeah. to bring her in. Yeah. I mean, that that goes back to his backstory, right, as the mm-hmm. son of a slave who fell in love with a white woman mm-hmm. and right. was lynched because of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think there's there are ways to, to look at to look at the racial issues that um, that kind of that make more sense from the story perspective right and so when virginia
2: sorry what's her name in the movie helen Helen lyle when helen becomes
1: remarkably rememberable
2: (laughs) (laughs) um sorry to cut you off there Um, when Helen kills her first victim it's a white man oh it's her husband from her own okay and it was just me
1: or was that not super satisfying her
0: first victim was the husband's lover and then oh no maybe that was the second maybe she killed her second anyway did
1: we ever see her kill the second I don't think we saw her kill yeah yeah
0: she definitely she like cuts the the girl's throat with a the, the hook. God,
1: I don't remember that. Yeah. I guess I was just on. When she's a high on the phone,
0: she's trying to call nine one one. The
1: husband getting killed. <laughs> yeah, I, I enjoyed yeah. that
0: part. <laughs> now, what university though? Like you get your master's degree in urban legends. <laughs> like, Fucking bullshit.
1: I mean, suspension of disbelief, well, yeah, Nigel. It's a movie. <laughs> All
0: right. So now it's time for nightmares notes. So I'm going to talk a little bit and bore whatever three listeners we have here to death, but I wanted to talk about something that's really at the heart of this movie and that's housing, public housing and like the problems that that had. And so like the movie takes place in Cabrini Green right, which was a real public housing project in Chicago. But the whole idea of public housing really began in the 1930s as part of Roosevelt's New Deal, but it wasn't rooted in segregation initially on paper. But because of where they were putting the public housing, those the parts of the city were already segregated. So because of where they were putting the public housing projects, they became segregated public housing. Um, It was originally designed to be affordable housing for the middle class and people that were impacted by the Great Depression. So it really goes back to the Great Migration. And so starting as early as immediately following the Civil War, but um, after the Reconstruction, people started moving from the South to the North. African-American folks started moving from the South uh, to the North to to flee from Jim Crow laws which were, you know, massive racist segregationist laws in the South. And so big cities like Chicago, New York, Detroit, Baltimore, all these cities had a huge influx in population beginning around really around 1920 and up until the 1960s and 1970s. And so the need for to house these people became a very serious issue. Those of you that are from the North recognize that racism is very much an issue in the north as well. And so that was something that the developers of the housing projects had to contend with. And so when African-American folks were moving into the urban center, um, this thing called white flight happened. And the white folks that were living in the city started fleeing out to the suburbs.
1: Because they could.
0: Yeah, because they they had the ability to do so. They could get
1: the mortgages.
0: Chicago, Washington, D.C. constructed new highways and train lines that cut residents off from the rest of the city, these modern high-rises quickly became national symbols of failure, of the war on poverty, suffering from all the ills of chronic poverty, and disadvantage female-headed households high rates of unemployment low levels of education shocking levels of physical and mental illness and most of all overwhelming drug trafficking and violent crime now this was all added to in 1949 under Harry S Truman when he passed the Federal Housing Act of 1949 and basically his whole point was to get rid of urban slums and so low-rise single single family like Shacks that were all over in the urban center. So you wanted to get rid of all the tenement houses and things like that. And so at the time, there was this modernist idea of construction. So they started building these super tall high rises. They called it urban renewal. And then you run into another issue with uh, African-Americans who want to move out of the city center. And they weren't able to. And they weren't able to because of this thing called the redlining, which is literally where... They were not shown properties that were outside of a particular area. This, these areas were complete, other areas were completely shut off to African Americans. And FHA loans were not being made available to African Americans if they wanted to buy in particular areas which were white. So it was a systemic, planned, segregationist giant machine that created these urban blight zones as they were called. So whether in the city or the suburbs, FHA required developers seeking its financial help to include restrictive covenants in their homeowner deeds, prohibiting sales and resales to African-Americans. So FHA, that's the Federal Housing Administration that was written down that they were not allowed to sell or resell houses to African-Americans in particular neighborhoods. So some of the most famous pu- giant public housing projects throughout the country um, were pruitt Igo in St. Louis. This was crazy. This We watched a short documentary about this earlier, but the infamous pruitt igo housing project was erected in 1954 when racial tensions were rife across the U.S. The megalithic complex consisted of 33 11-story buildings that shadowed the city below. The apartments were originally intended for middle-class families, but quickly degenerated into crumbling residences housed only to the poor African-American Population of St. Louis. They were torn down in the 1970s. Johnston Square Apartments in Baltimore. This was sort of the backdrop for the TV show HBO TV show The Wire. If listeners are familiar with The Wire, that was actually shot at Johnston Square Apartments and uh, in Baltimore. So it's still open. It has it like. Unlike many of these other places, it didn't get torn down, um, but it's only now open to uh, 60-year-old-plus residents, so only old people are allowed. It keeps the
1: violence down.
0: Huh? Theoretically speaking, yeah, but the poverty and the violence is still there with the gangs. Tenchwood Homes in Atlanta, built in 1936, was the nation's oldest housing project lo- located across the street from Georgia Institute of Technology, one of Georgia's most prestigious universities. So imagine that. You You are an African-American living in these really terrible housing projects, looking across the street at this glamorous university. And then of course, Cabrini Green, <sighs> Chicago, 70 acres, filled with mass, uh, notorious for mass murders, gang and drug activity. A sniper uh, was set up on the 10th floor and in 1991 and killed several people. This is an interesting story. In 1981, the mayor, Jane Byrne, and her husband decided to move into Cabrini Green to display their solidarity with the residents. And she lasted about three weeks oh, before moving geez. out. It was torn down uh, beginning in the 1990s into 2011. It was finally torn down. So. What was being displayed on in the movie Candyman was like super real and a real problem in these big urban centers. I,
1: and I read that they actually, um, in order to minimize the issues with gangs, they ha- hired actual gang members to be extras in the movie.
0: <laughs> yeah, I believe it.
1: And they still, I mean, they still had one of their production vans shot up. No, Nobody was hurt, thankfully. But yeah, um, but yeah the violence was real.
0: yeah. I just, I just find it, and we were talking about this earlier, like how, um, I don't know what the term is. is, it oxymoron, like how we blame people who live in these disastrous situations that were created and designed for them to live in. For
1: we, somehow not rising above
0: their yeah,
1: disastrous environment. Yeah, right. Yeah. So we
0: blame them even though we
2: created, created the, the situation
0: for them you to be in
2: the cage around them and
0: mm-hmm. yeah and
1: then we say why don't you just get out
0: yeah yeah, yeah.
1: i got out of my cage yeah.
0: yeah so it's really a sickening kind of legacy of this country it's one of one of many well and i think
1: legacies. one of the legitimate criticisms of the movie is that it it used the setting without addressing any of those underlying right um issues that we create we created these situations where these people have to live in this environment and instead it just kind of exploited that um environment of violence you know for its own purposes for the purpose of the movie and Mm -hmm. so that i think that's a legitimate
0: yeah definitely, definitely criticism
1: of the movie yeah
0: these developments are run
2: by the st louis housing authority This is a far cry from the crowded, collapsing tenements that many of these people have known. Here in bright new buildings with spacious grounds, they can live.
0: It was a very beautiful place, like a big hotel resort, I'd say. It was like uh, an oasis in the desert. All this newness. I never thought I would live in that kind of a surrounding. What happened? (laughs) Well, one day we woke up and it was all gone pulled up with the moving van. I knew at that point that it was hell on earth. Crew and Igel looks like a battleground. Vandalism and neglect have left fear among the remaining occupants. In the middle 50s, St. Louis thought it had solved its low-cost housing need, but instead, a monster was created. The experiment had gone terribly awry. It was just uncontrollable.
2: So what's interesting to me is the sort of embracing of the violence um, by a lot of the the characters that are shown, but the um, when Helen meets who she believes is the Candyman, and fake, then he's fake the candy fake Candyman. But that that guy knew what he was doing.
1: Yeah, he was right? taking advantage he's, of the legend. Yeah,
2: yeah. To to what end? Just for power?
1: Yeah. Well, and this leads me to one of the more fascinating aspects of the movie for me, anyway, is that. Unlike a lot of villains, like Candyman, talks about the reason for his existence, like mm. how he, why he exists, like what he needs to exist. Mm-hmm. So I, there's a quote that I want to read to you guys. Read it. Um, <clears throat> Candyman says, "I am the writing on the wall, the whisper in the classroom. Without these things, I am nothing. So now I must shed innocent blood. Come with me." So he says this to Helen, and this is after Helen has is, has been beaten up by the fake Candyman and she has pointed him out in a um, police lineup and the fake Candyman has been arrested and people are like, oh, there's no real Candyman. The Mm -hmm. Candyman was just this regular guy and now he's arrested and now there is no Candyman. Thanks, white lady for saving us. We're like like almost an hour into the movie at this point um, and we haven't actually seen Candyman. And it's at this point that we actually see him for the first time. He first comes onto the screen after this Because people have stopped believing in him because Helen has shown people that he doesn't exist. And so he says to her, now I have to come back. And because I I have to exist, the only way I can exist is if people believe in me. And so now I have to come and shed innocent blood all Mm -hmm. over again so that people can believe in me. And I thought that was a really interesting aspect to the movie. Like I've never heard... A supernatural villain explain himself in that way like you certainly don't hear freddy talk about why he exists or what he does to exist
0: well it sort of does um
1: yeah i guess you're right yeah and yeah, he's yeah. all kind of pennywise. rooted in
0: pennywise yeah and he's all about fear too yeah. like um if you're not scared of him it weakens him
1: right he feeds off of he that right of And that. so that's a similar thing with candyman right is that mm-hmm. he can only exist if people believe in him, and this reminds me so much of Neil Gaiman's American Gods, so hmm. that that novel American Gods, where the god the if you guys listeners if you have not read this book American Gods yeah, by Neil book. Gaiman please the please TV read show it. is
0: awful but the book is That's
1: good. generally true when TV yeah. <laughs> shows are made of amazing books but anyway please read it but the the premise of the book is that gods exist when people believe in them and so like there's a series of gods that exist in Europe those old pagan gods mm-hmm. but when Europeans moved to the United States they brought those gods with them but they created Americanized versions mm-hmm. of those gods super fascinating how these gods interact with each other and how they're desperate to get people to believe in them because that's the only way they can exist and so this ties into I mean Candyman happened way before the, the movie was written way before Neil Gaiman wrote his book mm-hmm. but I think it's probably a one of those underlying themes that Mm -hmm. that comes across in a lot of stories that these like ghosts or legends or myths only survive if people believe in them and as soon as people stop believing in them they die and so Candyman, his existence was threatened by helen because she proved him to be false and so then he goes after her and he says now i have to prove myself all over again and you're going to help me you're going to join me Mm -hmm. it puts all of the the sort of responsibility for his actions on her. Yeah, I mean, and it, it is kind of her fault. She yeah. she did go in as in this interloper, as this outsider, and like you know, she was warned not to do these things, and yeah. she did them anyway.
0: Yeah, and then he killed that dog. Yeah, yeah. poor dog. Cut and then, the like, yeah, the he
1: he
2: does like literally and physically pin all of the blame through evidence on her. on her and so for me watching it it's like well you can't resist him now uh because yeah that's what like, i was saying yeah you're kind you kind of are stuck now you're you're hated um yeah. you have no family you're in a mental institution and you killed your friend yeah, yeah like you have no reason to live now mm-hmm.
1: but but ironically also um what he did to her kind of brought to light the reality of her life is that she didn't have friends and family her husband did not love her he would not mm-hmm. stand by her he, he kind of like what mm. Candyman did to her brought that reality out into the open it's not like he made her husband cheat on her and run away from her and not support her yeah that wasn't candy man's fault
0: <laughs> yeah and i think that's interesting too um the sort of interfamilial kind of relationships like her her family was torn apart but you know for some of the rules at these large housing projects like uh like i think it was either Cabrini Green or it was pruitt ligo men adult men weren't allowed to stay there because of the this racist idea that adult african american men are like more violent and so they so i think like at pruitt ligo like 97% of the the tenants were female run households. And so, you know, all the men weren't even allowed to stay with their family. So the whole essence of this structure was destroying the family union. It was breaking apart the family unit initially. So another by design, by design, it was designed to break apart this family unit um out of this 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 fear that the men would cause trouble you know and there was lots and lots of gang activity and lots of murders um so it's kind of ironic i don't know they they didn't touch on anything like that in the film i don't think but yeah in reality they were designed to kind of dissolve the you know nuclear family
2: wow it kind of ties in with what you were saying about if if no one believes in him then he dies like um it's a metaphor for kind of like all of our human basic needs is if no one believes in us, then part of us dies. Um, like if you don't have support, um, if people believe you to be a danger or a menace, um, and some of that is going to come true, or, um, or
1: maybe just like basic neglect. Or like, well, mm-hmm. that's what happened with those housing those housing units. Right? Is that they built them, they put all this money into them, and then they refused to maintain them. Yeah. Right. They refused mm-hmm. to maintain the elevators, the water systems. Everything went to shit and then it was an impossible place to live in and so that kind of neglect that's what killed them off yeah and i do have another quote that i want to say from candy man because i think this is really interesting it speaks to the the difficulty of existing like of living life right and so he says why do you want to live if you would learn just a little from me you would not beg to live i am rumor it is a blessed condition believe me to be whispered about at street corners to live in other people's dreams, but not to have to be, Mm. Mm. right? And so I, I, I mean, I just found these things like they scared the crap out of me while he was saying them, but they Mm. were also super poetic,
0: yeah, Yeah. right?
1: And he's talking about the difficulty of actually existing and being, and especially in the context of some, a place like Cabrini Green, right? Mm. Where he says, it's too hard to live. Just come and be with me and just be rumor and be, you know, People's beliefs, and then you don't have to, you know, live this existence and struggle
0: yeah. the way yeah, that you have to. There's
2: a power that he can have in that notoriety and that kind of fame that that he didn't achieve when he was living, um, even though he his character was um, an artist, an artist. Um, he was very good, and he, you know, was educated Educated, you know he had he ticked all the right boxes yeah but Um, he fell in love with a white woman yeah and so he couldn't achieve that kind of respect i guess respect can go both ways
0: he wants them white girls Mm. i
2: know we're dangerous
0: anybody else have anything to add we just dissected the shit out of that yeah
2: well i did want to say on recipe corner just a couple of notes on recipe corner what i learned is they used the bees that they used? Yeah. they were
1: like baby bees. tweens. Oh. They were babies. Yeah, they were very young. What's fascinating about this movie is that it was mostly physical effects. They didn't use yeah. digital. Practical like effects, they yeah. they they used real
2: bees. So Virginia Madsen uh, was allergic to bees, but they had special bees that they bred for the film, and uh, they they were the baby ones, little passive,
1: yeah, bees. that still
2: sting but look like. Adult bees, but the sting is like less
1: venom. Ouch! No thanks.
2: Uh, poison. So she did get some stings, but they had a a guy with an EpiPen on hand. Um, <laughs> wow! wow. <laughs> I don't know if we know any uh, any beekeepers around here if we were going to remake this we would use real bees yeah i don't think we could bees. afford the, the use babies bees or the from team michaels bees. i think <laughs> you yeah. could get little just little furry ones like fake ones yeah
1: and we could bzz, bzz. oh yeah yeah. yeah yeah the sound wouldn't be yeah difficult. the sound mm-hmm. um but th- that scene where he like opens his shirt up and his torso is all like bees that was not a digital effect in the movie. That was a practical That was, that was really yeah.
0: Tony Todd, yeah. Did they have yeah. digital
1: effects in the 90s? I think they had really to a certain extent. extent. Yeah, yeah, I mean, really but
0: bad ones.
2: I think that's the films with practical effects tend to hold up an age better than the ones with, with the digital, bad effects. digital effects yeah. because mm-hmm. digital stuff just gets they get better and better at it and then it, it kind of fits into the trend of of what you're seeing during that time frame and so then you can look at it and say oh that's so you know 2005 that's what they were doing yeah. but with practical effects there's there there's a timelessness to it
0: yeah it's they're also really m- practical effects are like much more um expensive now than digital effects and so that's why you see people moving away from um, practical effects because there's this huge skill level to make it believable and then also digital effects are so inexpensive but the good digital effects that look like like believable and like look good are super expensive so they're like cost prohibitive so it's like like new filmmakers are sort of in this conundrum Stuck in the yeah they're like if you don't have a huge budget you can't afford to do the good well, digital effects I'm dying effects.
1: to see this new iteration by Jordan Peele yeah, I wonder I, if he's going to use it. digital bees because there was just something about that, yeah, the know. physical effect of Tony Todd opening his mouth and yeah. all of those bees Spilling out, and you knew that that was not a digital yeah. effect. that yeah, was I, a it, was,
2: awesome scene. it does feel like y- your physical body watching it. There's a reaction. Oh yeah, that is totally different yeah. um from if you knew that they that it was digital. Like it just has this effect. Yeah, there's real skin in the game. <laughs> yeah, there no you do that yeah. for yeah. that and the
1: actor. I don't know
2: moment. if I could do that if I were an actor. I mean, I I would love to be offered. You know, given the offer of here, let me film you with a mouthful of bees. God, yeah. that sounds like a Craigslist ad, but
0: <laughs> so, <yeah>. they <laughs> shut that part of Craigslist Scar- down. Scary <laughs> Anna, have you had those calls before?
1: <laughs>
2: they shut that down. Actually. But yeah, I think um, to do it and to 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 have the character be like Tony Todd's character, like Candyman, to to not show fear or yeah. you know to just have this be a power move sort of over her, That I think that would be really difficult. Yeah, Although well, maybe and, he's thinking about the fat stacks that he's making. Well, yeah.
1: Virginia Madsen, her character also had bees. It was They weren't in her mouth, but they they were completely covering her face. And w- from what I read, like they had to, the, the scene itself was a lot shorter to shoot than the aftermath of the scene because they had to get all the bees off of them and they had to use this very... Um, Be gentle, bee vacuum, right? Mm-hmm. And so it took a long time to like gently suction all of the bees. Yeah, I think I read the same article that said it.
2: It was just under an hour, and yeah. so Jesus. you're standing there trying yeah. not to freak out right. because if
1: if they smell fear, must go into this really <laughs> deep like meditative state is the only thing I can think
0: yeah. of. Yeah,
1: rating this film?
0: Um, yeah, let's rate. Yeah. Okay.
1: What? Right? I mean, second rating is Choice. so hard. I'm kind of anti-rating. Okay you know like like for what it was it's a an interesting movie you know did it change the world no
0: i give it a seven
1: i was gonna say seven wow
0: a seven yeah you know
1: i think when it comes to ratings we really need to calibrate these scales nigel so like for you what is a one on your scale an example
0: Oh Jesus. I
1: don't he think he from even the deep. watch no, a one. No. It's
0: like a nine. Oh, he's watched a one. <laughs>
2: I think a one would be like
0: um uh, the the deathbed. Gilmore Girls. The deathbed. deathbed.
1: <laughs> okay, deathbed is your Gilmore one. Gilmore
0: Girls is like
1: That's a one for negative. Him. That's not negative. on a scale. Ten million. And so then and a ten.
0: The Exorcist is a okay. 10.
1: So, like, so, so, based on that calibration, it's seven seems pretty high for Candyman.
0: Yeah, it's pretty good. It's a good movie. I like it. It's mm. a good, it's a great slasher. There's great like blood and gore. There's decent like scares. Um, you know, it it's a, scary. Com, it's like a deep kind of complex story. Yeah. So I, I think it deserves that. It definitely deserves. I don't buy DVDs anymore. I used to have a bunch of VHS tapes. but We're not gonna go into that. Shyanigans.
2: We don't have a VCR player. That's not the point. That's
0: (laughs) irrelevant. Anyway, uh, so I buy digital, but I, yeah, th- this isn't something I would ever own, but I would definitely find to rent it or find it streaming, but yeah.
1: You would rewatch oh, it. You have, I, re-watched, I have rewatched it. I it yeah. So that times. is an interesting criteria. Would I own it? Would yeah. I not own yeah, it? Absolutely. A, yeah, absolutely. That's good. So you wouldn't own it. No. But you would rent it.
0: Probably. I'd probably, I don't know if I'll right. watch it again like, now that i it.
1: The, there are movies, would you pay money to see this? And that... And on that scale, I can rate something. I would okay. pay money to see this. Okay. Whereas Humanoids Deathbed. from the Deep, I would not pay money. <laughs> that's, that's a, good a good movie. Humanoids from a good No, I would that not pay money to see freaking... that. So that is a good, I like that. That's going to be my scale. Would okay. I pay money to see this or would I not?
0: I okay. would. That's I would fair. pay money. That's fair.
1: Yeah. And I did pay money you did Thanks yeah. Amazon. For thank Amazon all you. of us
0: thank you for treating <laughs> for us, us.
1: <laughs>
2: yeah i i like the film i like that that there's a lot to unpack and discover with the film and that makes me appreciate it more yeah. because now you know maybe i will rewatch it and i'll look at it with new information um, and i can appreciate some of the other things that went unnoticed you know when i didn't have scary anna's perspective or nightmare's perspective
0: are you going to give us a hint as to what you're picking for the next episode
2: yeah so i you know when starting this podcast i've really been questioning what horror is and what it means to me because i came to horror through you Nigel, and um, it's the Peruvian
0: nightmare. Peruvian,
2: sorry, nightmare. Um, <laughs> you brought horror into her life. You did. No. <laughs> Peruvian nightmare. <Yeah>. Um, <laughs> she
1: didn't know what Jew, horror was before you. So, I do.
2: Um, you know, sometimes you and I disagree on on what is horror or what is scary. Actually, Use the term what horror is, adjacent. What is scary? And yeah. um, the films that we've watched for the podcast up to now have not been scary to me in the way that I that would keep me up at night or to give me nightmares so I I'm thinking that I want to choose a film that has staying power in my mind something that I've seen that has terrified me and then revisiting it now um later sort of with this more knowledge about what horror is and what what it means to be attracted to putting yourself in making yourself vulnerable to being scared so like what personal. does that mean yeah. yeah it's so
1: personal the things that yeah, scare good. us and yeah.
2: uh, and it may be that um that we revisit this thing that was terrifying to me and it's not scary anymore or that it's really hokey and you know it, it can be really personal to each person but also to the time of your life that you're in and the things yeah. that are going on so You know, that's, that'll be interesting. Cool. Yeah.
0: You can find us on iTunes. You can find us on Spotify. You can find us on Podbean. You can find us on all your major podcast distributors, except for Stitcher. They're a pain in the ass to get on. If you want more information about any of us, you can reach us at littlehouseonthescary at gmail.com. We will be doing another episode before too long. Yeah. And um, that's She'll it. She'll be
2: coming God. around the, the corner, corner when she's she scary. She can, we need to practice this before. I'm yeah. coming around a mountain, not a corner. No, <sighs> a corner, because you're oh, scary
1: cor- in his corner. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She doesn't pay attention. (laughs) (laughs) Can you fire her please? I'm a big picture person, okay? (laughs) Not details.
0: We'll talk at y'all later. Bye. Bye.